Man, we've got a full house here, and just hearing the saints worshiping uh, is just beautiful. I feel like I didn't even need to preach after the baptisms, um, because the baptisms preached about the power and deliverance in our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that transformation, that coming out. This morning, what we're going to be talking about is faithful deliverer, okay? So the, the theme is going to be around our need for deliverance and God's amazing ability to deliver us. And, and, and wouldn't you know it, whether you're saved, whether you've never been to church before, whether you're not a Christian, we all, we all need deliverance at, at many different points in our lives. Uh, some of us uh, tried to drive down I-70 on Friday or Saturday night and we needed deliverance from the Taylor Swift <laughs> traffic. Uh, some of us were uh, out on the 4th of July and probably needed deliverance from uh, the bullets that get shot up and must come down. Uh, but you know, on a, on a more serious note, uh, there, there are brothers and sisters in our body right now that are, <laughs> are going through it. Lost family members, lost jobs, struggling marriages, wayward children. And we could go on and on, right? Um, we've got brothers and sisters in India who their churches are being torn down, burned down, their homes are being burned down, they're being displaced by the tens of thousands, they're getting murdered. And God sees it all. And God does not turn a blind eye to these things. But he, he, what we're going to see in Scripture is that He very much cares for each of us. And He's watching. And He's waiting to see how we will respond in faith. And he, He's there to deliver us. Alright, so I'm going to pray. Jesus, be magnified. Let Your Word come forth and power. Change our hearts, Lord. Uh, help us to see you for who you are. Amen. Help us to be the men and women of faith that you desire us to be. And thank you for your deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if we can go to the next slide. Hey, so we're going to be in Psalm 40, and we're not going to have time to go through the whole psalm. But I did just want to show you, uh, the psalms are beautiful, and uh, there are some psalms that actually have a, a kind of an interesting structure. Uh, if you're a literary uh, critic or you know this, uh, it's chiastic structure is where you might see a mirroring. So you can see that in this, the first four verses and the last ele uh, verses 11 through 17 are focused on deliverance. And the verses that are sandwiched in between that, verse 5 and, and 9 and 10, they're focused on God's grace. And once you know that verses 6 and verse 8 are focused on God's desires and delight. And man, we live in a culture today that is so focused on what, is, what am I feeling? What is my desire? 
But really, the question we need to be asking is, what does God desire? What delights God? Is it our religious activities? What we're going to see is that all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm 40, the beginning, the end, it all points to Jesus Christ. This is the delight of the Lord. This is the fulfillment of Scripture. This is the fulfillment of the law. This is the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And this is what Psalm 40 is pointing toward. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. So, if you have your Bibles or you have your apps, if you could open Psalm 40. We're going to start in verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Okay, now, was there anybody at the Taylor Swift concert? There we go. Okay, we got one. We got one. I, I think I saw somebody on Instagram, maybe a Melissa Wharton. <laughs> Do you think that she heard your cry? She probably heard like 60,000 cries, like, all together. Uh, man, I mean... I can't get a hold of the president. I can't get a hold of the senator. But the Lord hears our cry. It's incredible. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And this is the first thing that I just want to highlight here in Scripture, is that the Lord operates in a timetable of wisdom. Okay? Oh, the Lord's deliverance, your first blank. We can go to the next slide. The Lord operates in a timetable of wisdom, okay? And the Lord's inaction in your lives in times of trial, it's not disregard, okay? The things that you're going through when it feels like God is radio silent, that is not disregard. But instead, deep care to deliver the best outcome in your life. Do you guys believe that? It's okay if you don't yet. The Lord proves himself over and over again as faithful, okay? But man, God sometimes holds back. And you know, as a parent, sometimes I've got to do that too, okay? Because God calls us. You see us in the scripture. David's waiting patiently. David went through some crazy trials, okay? He had a king that was trying to kill him. And he would like play his heart for him. And then the dude would throw, the king would throw a spear at him, try to kill him, okay? And you think that, that stuff at work's going, like, is, is tough for you. And yet, David's got his boss throwing a spear at him, okay? <laughs> David also had his son chasing him down, trying to take over his kingdom. Bad day. And uh, what about the time when uh, David was running away from King Saul and all the... Uh, men and children that were with them and the mighty men that were following him, all the men and, and women, or I'm sorry, the women and children were, were taken captive and all, and all his men that were risking their life for him wanted to kill him. Okay? David had some problems that he needed delivering from. And I loved that verse where it talks about David strengthening himself in the Lord. Now, how do you respond in trials? Are you patient? 
Do you wait on the Lord? Or do you just try to start fidgeting, you know? Do you, do you try to make things happen in your own strength? So the Lord calls us to operate in both patience and prayer. You know, my kids, uh, kids in general, not even just my kids, you, you know kids, they ask for things, right? Uh, I had a, a child asking for uh, ice cream this week, right? Uh, I've been asked for uh, the permission to use a YouTube, or to have a YouTube channel. Uh, cell phones are, are always a popular topic as you have children growing up. And, and my response typically is, not yet. And I ask my kids to be patient. Now, why do I do that? Why would I have them wait and be patient and not just give it to them? And, and it's because I love them, and I believe if, if I were to give them what their heart desired at that moment, it wouldn't result in best outcome. That it would actually maybe hurt them, or it would turn them aside from the ways of God, or it exposed them to something that they're not old enough for or don't need to be thinking about right now, okay? So usually my answer is kind of vague, and it frustrates them, and I feel bad being vague, but I want to see what happens in the next six months. I want to see what happens in the next six years, you know, in their lives. And I believe God operates in the same way. And, you know, just to drive this point home, there are many saints in the Bible that waited 40 years, 40 years to see things happen. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And man, we don't, you know, all right, for, for the young ones, it's like, I remember like the time of dating and it's just like, when you didn't get that text back within like, you know, 30 minutes after you had texted, it's like, oh my gosh, like, what is happening, right? You need, like, there's just this, like, feeling of anxiety. And yet, like, the saints before us, man, went through so much. You know, the, the third point from uh, verse, uh, verse one is this. God will use trials in our lives to mature us in contentment, in hope, and in confidence. And check this out. This is what James 1, verse 2 through 4 says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And man, when we can find contentment in the Lord, it's a great game. Being content, man, there's strength. You have the ability to say no to things, to be able to, to, to have peace. And yet, typically, when we get our heart's desires and they're not from the Lord, they're fleeting. We all know that. You all got that shirt in your closet that at that moment when it was on sale, you felt like you had to buy it. And then a month, you know, a month later, a year later, it's like, I don't even think I like that thing. That's part of the reason why I haven't gotten tattoos. Love tattoos on other people, but I'm like, I am so fickle with my clothes. I'm like, putting a mark on my body for the rest of my life? 
That's risky. <laughs> it's like, all right, Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that, tribula- that tribulation worketh patience. You see that theme of patience there. And patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So God wants to work patience in your life, and he wants to grow you up. But the Lord does hear your cry, even if it feels like you're not seeing him move in a situation. Verse 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So I I recently, I took my wife uh, on, on an anniversary trip. We were celebrating 15 years. I think I, I think I got her into the miry pit, or the horrible pit in the miry clay. So don't clap too early. Uh, no, but this is uh, this is just a, a photo, a, a selfie that we took, uh, and uh, just just to honor my wife for a moment. Um, she is so loving, and um, selfless and sacrificing um, for me and my family. And uh, we got married here when the church was first getting going. And uh, so every time MBT hits a birthday, it's like it's also like close to our anniversary time. So we've been married for 15 years. This is our first time without children. Talk about deliverance. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but the parents, the, 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 the grandparents helped out and we couldn't have done this trip without them. But we went out to uh, southeast Colorado, like the middle of nowhere. I found an Airbnb, and the house looked cool, but I didn't really do research and figure out until later that it was a desert of sorts. Um, But we went out there, and uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, we found out that there were these amazing sand dunes that uh, were in southeast Colorado. It's a national park. And every time we were taking a photo, we just could not, it, it like just didn't capture it. Maybe, maybe if, uh, if Ryan was taking the photo, um, it might look better. But it's like, we take a photo and be like, Dude, this doesn't really capture the beauty of it. Um, I tried to zoom in to this photo. Uh, it got too blurry. But there are like little black specks in this photo on my phone. And when you zoom in on it, you realize those little black specks are like people. Like, like tiny little people. These, these things are massive, okay? And... Uh, we got out there, and uh, you know, sand is beautiful. Sand dunes, they're beautiful. They're beautiful to look at. I would never want to live in a sand dune. I would never want to be in the movie Dune. <laughs> Big worms come and eat you. <laughs> you know, the, the wind, uh, it blows, and it's like, you're just, it's like sandpaper wind. You know, it's just like, it's like hitting you and it's hurting. But then there was this amazing uh, river. It was very shallow. Like you could just walk in and it would just barely cover your feet. Oh, go back, go back, go back. Uh, you, this river, barely cover your feet, just coming from the mountain, snow melting, and just right through. But you know, again, beautiful, refa- refreshing to visit for like 15, 20, 30 minutes. I'd never build a house on this place, okay? And yet so many of us gravitate 
towards things that we try to build our lives on them, and they're like this miry clay. We find ourselves in these horrible pits. Sometimes they're self-inflicted. Sometimes there's other people that are inflicting them on us. Next photo. Um, I had a brilliant idea of trying to, to climb one of the big, like get to the top of it. Um, I think God was uh, humoring me. Uh, you can see that there's like a turtle cloud um, <laughs> behind me. And the turtle cloud was winning. <laughs> um, this actually wasn't the highest peak. And there was like a wall to the left of this photo. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go up it. And I started climbing up it. And it was so steep. And my feet were like fully sinking into it. Sand was going in my shoes. And uh, I wasn't near anybody. And I realized. Like, even though, like, the pride in me wanted to conquer this hill, I was like, seriously, this thing could, like, avalanche on me, and, like, nobody would hear it. Nobody would even know. You know, we put ourselves in these situations. But getting back to the verse, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. And I've mentioned some of the horrible pits that people have gone through, that people are currently going through. But the ultimate horrible pit in miry clay is sin and death. It's separation from our Creator. And you guys, we live in a culture that loves, loves, loves diversity and celebrating all the magnificent differences in us. And you know, God is about, I mean, the nations and, and, and all of those things. But you know what our culture's like left out in that conversation? Who's been marginalized? It's God. We have marginalized God as a society. Our creator, we, we worship the creation. We worship the sand dunes. And we have just forgotten about God. And, and whether you know it or not, you might feel like you don't need deliverance. You might actually feel like everything is great. I've got a good job. I've got a good house. I can go on my two vacations a, a year. That's even a more dangerous mindset to be in. Jesus warned that it's hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because they are blind to their needs. The church that lives in luxury, they are blind to their weak faith. They're blind. They're naked. But man, we need to be aware of how God sees us. And if you do not have saving faith in Jesus Christ, you are in a horrible pit and a miry clay that will not end. That word horrible is translated just like noise. Just sonic noise, horrible pit. But, um, you know, there's good news. 
But let's just, say, let's just focus a little bit more on the bad news, all right? Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You want diversity? You want inclusion? All of us are in the same boat. We are all sinners. All of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death. Okay, that's talking about Adam and his sin nature being passed down from generation to generation. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay, so sin got passed down through the generations, through Adam. But there's a second Adam, Jesus Christ. And just in the same way that, like, you know, were you, were you there? Were you there when Adam and Eve fell? We all, we, we were all, we all own that sin, okay? And you could, I don't have to point fingers, just look at my own life. Man, like, there are sins that I need deliverance from. And yet in the same way, there's a second Adam, Jesus Christ, that came. And salvation came through him. Okay, so the second point of, of this verse, the rock of God's salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is your blank. In Exodus, the people are thirsting. They're in the wilderness. And God tells Moses to, to hit this rock with his rod and that water would come out. That was a picture of Jesus Christ, the rock, being struck by the wrath of God for the salvation of people. And you see this throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy 32.4 says this, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Matthew 16, 15-18, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? He's talking to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock... That revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And one more, Matthew 7, 24-25. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. For it, was not found, for it was founded upon a rock. I'm sorry, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Okay, so, you know, the, the third point here, on the foundations of Christ, 
our goings will be established. That's what verse 2 says. Okay, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Man, you know the peace you have when you know that you're in the will of God? Uh, you guys ever have those future questions? What's my next job going to be? What am I going to do when I retire? Who am I going to marry? You know, these like what I would call milestone decisions or milestone moments in our lives. Where am I going to live? Uh, you know, uh, our discipleship um, talks about focusing on the will of God. There's so much clarity on what God wants out of our lives. Our goings will be established when we just simply obey the clarity of God's will. And God will take care of those other things. You guys know this verse, Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. Proverbs 16, 9, A man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps. Let's focus on the clear will of God and his plan for our life will unfold. All right, Psalm 40, verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. I love this verse. I kept on hearing Jasmine singing, I want to sing a new song. <laughs> but man, when God, when God moves in our life, when we find that deliverance, there is a new song. There is a new dance. There is a new step that we have. And it's praise unto our God. And many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Okay, so the first point of this verse, your testimony is a powerful tool for evangelism. I love our baptism time because you hear the stories of how God and his power and the love of Jesus Christ has transformed people. And it's not, it's not superficial. It's not fleeting. It's a rock to stand upon. And it's, it, I love it. It, it, it's so energizing, so encouraging. You know, Jesus had a testimony. Not everybody, uh, not even all his, like his disciples. There was, as you know, uh, Thomas who, who doubted. He wasn't there when Jesus first showed up after his resurrection. What did Jesus have to do, or what did Jesus choose to do to show Thomas that he was the resurrected Christ. He, he let him touch his wounds. And I think that, you know, one of the, I don't know, temptations, I don't know if that's the right word, but of a, of a Christian culture and a, and a church culture is that you have to be buttoned up, okay? And, and, and that, like, we kind of, like, some of us, you know, there are things in our past that we're embarrassed about. 
there are things in my life that I, I don't feel comfortable even sharing from this pulpit, from my past. <clears throat> but there's still a way that we can articulate our testimony and what God has done. And God can use that to reach people. Okay? There's some incredible testimony. So, you know, Jesus showed his wounds, and we need to be willing to show, show our wounds. It's incredibly powerful that we have pastors that have been come up here and not just shared the word of God, but how the word of God has highlighted sins in their own life, and they have humbled themselves before us and shared those sins. And man, to know that, that God is working on all of us, that we all have things in our lives that, that need refining, that need God's healing, that will be an unlock for other people that are like, oh, I thought I was the only one going through that. <clears throat> I praise the Lord for our pastors. They're, they're humble and, and they're submitted to the Lord. It's, it's beautiful. Okay, there's a lot of testimonies of the saints at MBT, okay? Um, so a lot of you have a testimony. Uh, this is a picture of Romeo uh, and, and uh, his beautiful wife, Becca. Um, you know, Romeo has gotten up here many times. He's given his testimony. Um, and, and Romeo, if you're in the room, I hope it's, you know, I hope it's okay. Uh, our brother was going through high school and was depressed. And, uh, and somebody had the nerve at high school to tell him about Jesus Christ and tell them the testimony of Jesus Christ. And man, he was delivered from those things. And the transformation in his life, he's now married and he's a father and he's a leader in this church. And you know, it's so beautiful what God can do. God can do these things in your life. There's the testimony of the church at large. I mean, uh, Fox's Book of the Martyrs. Believers have been going through it for centuries. And these testimonies are powerful. I mean, hearing about, like, Lee Strobel, who was, like, a... Uh, an editor for the Chicago Tribune, a great intellectual, and in his research to disprove his wife's faith and the validity of Christianity, he actually got converted. You know, that's a testimony that you can use. I have another photo up here. Uh, many of you might not recognize this woman. Her name is Kim Fook. And... Uh, she had a, a photograph that I believe was in Time Magazine um, during the Vietnam War. Uh, her village was hit with napalm and her whole back got burned off of her. I mean, it's just horrendous. She's a little girl, probably my daughter's age. And she's just crying and in pain and what just, why did this happen? And she has a testimony of actually growing up with bitterness and, and 
and despising even herself because of the scarring on her back, just feeling like she's not beautiful. And then she met Jesus. And Jesus healed her life. And Jesus made those scars beautiful because she learned how to forgive. She used to hate the pilots that did this to her, the leaders that did this to her. And now she's found peace and contentment in the Lord. And she can extend that. She did extend that to those that did this to her. And now she's sharing that story of God's love for her and others. These are testimonies that people need to hear. We need to keep on surfacing it. Man, I was so encouraged during uh, COVID, uh, Kaya just stepped up their evangelism game and people were giving their testimonies on social media of just what God had done. And we were seeing growth in this church during lockdown. Don't despise your testimony. Don't neglect your testimony. God can use this. You know, the fruit of the authentic conversation, the fruit of us living this out, the next point, is that it produces the fear of the Lord and people. Back one. Fear of the Lord and people. And it produces faith. They put their trust in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 through 5. This is Paul speaking. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul was not buttoned up. He was not polished. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and am crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We don't have to have a dissertation. <clears throat> I don't know if you, you guys are like me, I'm like flipping through social media and watching YouTube videos and thinking about scenarios and conversations. Uh, at work and, you know, on the street, and it's like, I, I try to rehearse, oh, this is what I would say in this scenario. Or, but it's like, the Lord will give us the words. In Revelation, it talks about the saints overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony is powerful because it points to Jesus Christ. All right, Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Okay, so the first point here on verse 4 is this. The Lord is trustworthy, and we can amen that, but you still have to make him your trust to receive the blessing. You've got to do something. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Sorry if all my illustrations are like outdoor, but we were just in Colorado. It's like a different culture out there. But we're like walking in Colorado Springs. There's these like huge rock formations. And there's these little signs that say, you're only allowed to climb if you like got a permit 
or something like that. And, and uh, we're looking at this hill, or this, this, uh, this mountain, huge rocks, and all of a sudden this like, little guy pops up at the very top. It's like, does his mom know he's up there? <laughs> it's like, but man, they've got uh, those bolt hangers that somebody's brave enough to like free climb and get those bolt hangers like, like embedded into the rock. And there's a lot of people that would not free climb up a, up a mountain, but they've got faith in those bolt hangers and, the, and they'll, they'll, they'll take their clip and clip into that and get up to the next one. That's not me. Uh, but you, you know, that, that bolt hanger, it's trustworthy, hopefully. <laughs> um, but you still got to do something to make it up the mountain. The Lord is, is a mountain, an approachable mountain. But, and his word are like those bolt hangers, but we still got to clip into those. We got to clip into those to keep climbing. Proverbs 3 talks about trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding. Psalm 18 talks about the Lord being a rock and fortress and deliverer in whom we will trust. The second thing that we can see from verse 4 is this. To maintain the blessing, you got to stay fixed on the Lord. Many know you can start well and finish poorly. But you got to remain fixed on the Lord. What do I mean by that? Okay, let's go back to the verse. Okay, because it says, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Okay, I, I, I wrestled with this verse, not respecting the proud. Okay, I was like, not respecting the proud? What does that mean? Um, does that mean, like, you know, you're, you're, you're dissing uh, somebody that's, that's arrogant, that's, that's proud? You know, when I looked it up, that word respect is really anchored in this idea of to turn, to look, okay? Where is your gaze? And you guys, we're surrounded with pride. We're surrounded with proud people. And I'm not just talking about the month of June, okay? You guys, there, there is pride in all of us. There is pride in all of us. I could be preaching up here in pride. Six things doth the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination to him. One of them is pride. And man, if you would read those other ones, the things that the Lord hates, you'd realize... A lot of those things are in all of us. It says, don't respect the proud. Don't give your gaze over to them. Jesus was known as somebody that was not a respecter of persons. He didn't take partiality, okay? Proverbs 28, 21. To have respect of persons is not good. 
For, for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. <clears throat> the turning aside to lies. You know, we're called not to turn aside to lies. That's that next little sub-bullet. You guys, our, heart will, our hearts will deceive us. I look back on my life and the things that I wanted and felt like I needed and praise the Lord that he delivered me from many of those things, from many of those decisions. God was good to me. But our hearts will deceive us. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 18.2 A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Bible's saying, like, if you just go inward and you're just trying to find within yourself truth, if you just try to find yourself, dear diary, today, I felt like this, you know? God's warning us that there's foolishness in that approach to life, that we must look outward, that we must look to Him. And guys, not only will our hearts deceive us, um, but mankind will also deceive us because ultimately Satan is trying to drive us away from the Lord. He's trying to drive us away from God's Word. He's trying to drive us away from who God intended for us to be. God wanted to be in relationship with us, to walk with us, to abide with us to make his home with us, to dwell in us. And Satan wants us to have none of that. For it's look like a sham. We got to stay fixed on the Lord. Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 3. This is like one of my go-to verses as a parent and honestly for my own life. Blessed is that man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a, a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth doeth shall prosper." Man, that sounds like goings established. Now we're going to talk about the Lord's desire. Okay, your next blank is desire. So we've seen that God delivers those that put their trust in Him out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Now we're going to look at the, the Lord's desire. What does the Lord desire? <clears throat> Psalm 40, verse 5 says this, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Numbered. 
Young people, if there's one thing that I can say to you that I hope you get away from the, take away from this message is that the Lord loves you. He thinks about you. You were designed and made with great intentionality. This is, this is the first point from verse 5. The Lord loves you more than you can comprehend. The way you were made was not an accident or a mistake. The Lord was intentional with your fashion. And I'm not talking about your clothes. Man, he fashioned you. I was going to put up some image of DNA and the complexity of it and the marvel of it or ATP enzymes and I realized that's like above my pay grade. <laughs> I need Connor uh, up here talking about that stuff. I'm one of our doctors or one of our scientists. Uh, <clears throat> but man, I just, uh, can you show the next photo? Sorry, Jasmine, I already mentioned you once. But man, I was just thinking about the marvel of a human being able to sing with dynamics and texture. But there's more to it than just the words and the pitches. The heart can be connected to it. And you can love the Lord so much and praise Him for His glory that you tear up or that your heart starts beating. We are incredible works of art. Our bodies heal. This is, this is intentional. <clears throat> this is what Scripture has to say about it. Jeremiah 1, 4-5, through 5, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. Okay, now not all of us are named Jeremiah, okay? So this isn't, you can't run with this. Not all of us are a prophet to the nations per se, although I guess you could spiritually apply it to the Great Commission. <clears throat> but, but listen to that. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. You're not just a, like a, a, a glob of cells coming together by accident. Psalm 119, 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. You guys, you know, generative AI, it's like the new big thing. It is pretty cool. You know how many intelligent beings had to put that stuff together through years of programming, decades of knowledge being passed around, using machines that were put together by intelligent people, using binary code that eventually got abstracted to computer interfaces so you can click on a button and all these things are happening. I would not bet in a million years 
that that stuff could come by accident. It takes a lot of energy and thought and trial and error and intelligence. And that stuff pales in comparison to the organic technology that we have in our bodies. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. Man, it just goes on and on. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee, isn't that amazing? This is each of you. This is the people that are walking around you. The Lord fashioned them, made them, saw them before they were even conceived. It's beautiful. Do you think the Lord desires to be with you with that great attention to detail? The Lord loves you? He does. He does. <clears throat> Psalm 40, verse 6. Okay, all of a sudden, Scripture just takes like this weird departure, okay? So I just like want to warn you. Okay, Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offerings thou dost not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. What in the world? Why is David talking about this? Okay? <clears throat> now, we're running out of time, and so I'm going to have to maybe uh, just accelerate things a little bit. Okay, so first, let's just get the blanks out of the way. The Lord desires faithful obedience and requires a perfect offering for sin. The Lord desires faithful obedience and requires a perfect offering for sin. Okay, so David became king of Israel, but before him was Saul, and Saul really messed up his kingship. And there was a point when he was making sacrifices to the Lord, and he was rebuked, and, and the prophet said to him, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Okay, so Saul was trying to make up for his disobedience. And getting back to Psalm 40, what we find is that all of us are kind of in the same boat as Saul. We try to make up for our sins. We try to make up for our shortcomings. 
You know, we just focus on all the thoughts, the myriad of thoughts that the Lord has towards us. And yet David also in Psalm 40 verse 11 says this, Withhold not thy, mer thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Wow, so the Lord has just so many thoughts, more than the, the sand. And yet our sins also seem to be in that same ballpark of infinity, <laughs> of countless. How did these things reconcile that the Lord loves you and yet we are depraved outside of the Lord? How did these things get reconciled? Well, we often try to, to atone for them in different ways. And God even had a prescription, a playbook for the children of Israel in making sacrifices. But they had to do those sacrifices year after year. And this is where Psalm 40 points to the Messiah. Verse 7, the Lord's servant. Your next blank is the Lord's servant. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. And you guys, we're out of time, so we'll just have to come back next week. No, I'll just say this, okay? Um, <clears throat> the Old Testament prophesies over and over again about Jesus Christ. The New Testament, Jesus Christ. He is in the volume of that book, and he came and fulfilled God's will perfectly. And this will have to be homework, but if you were to uh, go to the next verse, verse 40, um, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Jesus' priority was the will of the Father. Your next blank, the will of the Father. And the next blank after that, Jesus fulfilled the law through his perfect sacrifice. Your homework would be Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, because Psalm 40 is quoted, this specific part, and it shows that Jesus came to deliver us from sin by being the ultimate sacrifice. And so even though our sins are like up to here, God's love overcomes it through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're gonna end. I invite uh, Eric to come on up and, and close us out in worship. Um, we are out of time, so what, what I just wanna say is, listen, you don't have to have a big gushy feeling a welling up of tears to actually uh, be ministered by the Lord right now, okay? Um, that can be emotionalism. It can be real. But if there is an, if you have something in your life that you need deliverance from right now, I can say with all confidence that the Lord sees it and is enough to help you through his word, 
through the church, through his spirit, and ultimately through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So I'm going to pray and then stand up and, and we'll, we'll close with a, a short verse and chorus. Jesus, thank you for your deliverance. Lord, your timing is perfect. Um, you are good and, and thank you, God, for paying attention to us. We want to pay attention to you. Jesus, we want to see you magnified. May our testimonies fall on hearing ears and seeing eyes of your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.